Cock and Bull podcast where half of us have really fucking bad opinions about the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm looking at you. And that really bad opinion, in case you were curious, audience, is that they are long, they are boring, they are tedious, and the only good thing about them is the fight scenes. That is literally my opinion. And that makes me sound like a dumb person. I've read most of those books. I saw all the movies. I'm not, like, going out on a limb. They're just hard to watch. They have brilliant dialogue. They have beloved character development. Ian McKellen's they a national treasure. Dialogue. They dug. They dug too deep. You're picking. <laughs> you're you're totally strawmanning me by picking the most obscure lines. Re- like the most is- obscure line. Really, find the one that stands out. And you're b- blaming. Okay, I I don't. This is a comedy history podcast uh, where we're about to talk about uh, maybe the lesser known side of a gentleman named. Charles Darwin. Tolkien? No, well, no. Oh, God, no! On February 12th... I was 12th, hoping it was going to be Tolkien. On February 12th, 1809, Charles Darwin was born in Shrewsbury, England, as the second youngest child to Robert and Susanna Darwin. Grandson of Erasmus Darwin. Grandson of Erasmus Darwin. His interest in collecting a natural history began at age eight, when he joined a day school run by his teacher. Wait, the school was run by his teacher? You don't say! His grandfather, Erasmus Darwin, was a mediocre physician, scientist, and philosopher, and he wanted to, you know, make it the same for his grandson. He may be a mediocre a lot of things. He was a grade A chair-spinning aficionado. That's, if you want to lump, if you want to separate that from physician, he was fantastic at, at, at coming up with torture devices. He was brilliant. He was a genius when it came to devising things that made you go nappy nap. So Charles, at age 16, took up an apprenticeship under his father, helping nurse the poor folk of Shropshire. Speaking of things that sound like a Lord of the Rings town. Shropshire... That Okay, that pronunciation isn't even on me, because I think that town was named after an off-brand of porridge. I, I stand by that Tolkien just started throwing things at a dartboard, and that one came out. He moved on to the University of Edinburgh Medical School, one of the greatest medical Edinburgh. schools. Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Edinburgh. What? Not Edinburgh. You don't pronounce the G. In the live demonstrations of surgery that students were to attend, uh, Charles learned that he hated the sight of blood. <laughs> Okay. I mean, that's, of all the weird things to be squeamish about, at least we know Charles Darwin won't be a weird serial killer. Now, Charles stopped paying much attention to his doctoral studies, and instead, he focused on his interest in natural history. And his interest in sweet beard growing. He joined the Plinian Society, a debate group that passionately argued against the orthodox religious concepts of science. Which, Nathan, I think that sounds like something you were doing in 2007. And whoa, what the fuck? What? Don't put put me on blast for What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, come on, you tell me you weren't in the Passionate Atheists Club? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, we all were for a hot second. It was I, fun. I know we were. There was, it was delightful. It was a fun thing to be a part of. I get it. Now, Charles also picked up a daily class with a former slave who had traveled through South American rainforests and had come to England. Now, this man taught him taxidermy one hour a day, every day, for 40 days. What? what? That is a weird way to learn taxidermy. Yeah, just nonstop. He's learning taxidermy the way I learned Spanish. Darwin's father was super, super not cool with his neglect towards being a doctor. And in spite, he transferred Charles to a new school where he would become a parson. A what now? 
It's a priest. Turns out that Charles lacked the qualifications for that, though. Uh, and instead, he picked up what was just called, I'm not kidding, an ordinary degree. <laughs> I feel like that's what mine will be called in the annals that's, of history. That's what, he got him an ordinary degree. That's what mine is what now. What do we do? We don't know. <laughs> His father told him, quote, You care for nothing but shooting dogs and rat catching. And you will be a disgrace oh. to yourself and all of your family. <laughs> So he's the Charlie Kelly of this situation. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, Dad is super cool. Dad's just a really nice also, guy. I mean, I mean, everyone's dad has to be a little disapproving. I feel like, I feel like our father like walked onto campus when I was going to school and kind of looked around and just made a harumph and then left. So our, I mean, everyone's got to have that drive. Okay, but our dad is a is a rare breed of father because he doesn't make jokes. He just makes vague threats. I mean, I feel like he made nothing but jokes almost our entire childhood. They just weren't good. They were vague threats, Nathan. That's what they were. Mother going... How is mother going to Texas a vague threat? I don't know. Threatening me with childhood abandonment? I mean, that is actually a good point. That is actually a damn good point. It did did seem like a threat that he was like, the nice one's gone. Now you have me. Yeah. (laughs) He also frequently compared his meanness to that of a snake. He did? He did? These are accurate statements. Okay, alright, I'm starting, alright, I'm taking notes for, for rearing my own child. Touted himself as being omniscient, just knew everything. As far as I know, he still is. No, he that still, man has, that, he does know everything. He's pulled, he's pulled some vague voodoo wizardry on me from time to time. I also, I'm, I'm not convinced he's not spying on I us also, at all hours. I believe to a degree he also possesses any item you could ever need. You just need to be in his good graces. I did, I did ask him for a flash drive like an 8 gig flash drive, and he said, I don't have that. I do have this terabyte hard drive, though. Just gave that to me. No, I'm pretty sure that freaking desk that was just removed from our basement was basically Mary Poppins' bag, but for technology. <laughs> Literally, it was the freaking like, room of requirement, but for, do you need, what do you need? You need a weird screwdriver that only fits two things? I have that. Here it is. It's in the drawer. Go find it. You need a Palm Pilot from 2002? Hold on. <laughs> ruffle, ruffle, Russell, Russell, Russell. Here we go. I have four. I found a first generation iPod when I was digging around for a charger. I, yes! like, I didn't even know of we had these anymore. Of the, he had two. They were unwrapped. <laughs> he was like Ariel, but for tech, again, like all the <laughs> random gizmos and gudads. It's just like, hey, look at this. What is it? I don't know. We have it. It's in a drawer. Is this a Windows phone? <laughs> oh. Darwin began taking up further interest, in spite of his father, in natural history and geology. It was an as well you do. It was in 1830. Your dad hates your psych degree. You double down. It was in 1831. Yeah, that's what I did. It was in 1831 that Darwin got a letter inviting him on a voyage with the HMS Beagle, where he'd be a where he would be a a, as it's known scientific companion. Which uh, (laughs) we all uh, we all need a scientific companion. Is that what Dr. Watson was? That's what Watson was. That's what Otacon was in the Metal Gear franchise. You know, everyone needs a scientific oh, companion. Oh, now you're referencing I'm sorry. games I didn't play. I'm sorry, Nathan. Is my Metal Gear reference not acceptable, Mr. I referenced Tom's Twister on last episode? I'm just saying, if you're going to reference something, reference something I can riff on. I've only played the fifth Metal Gear and only for like an hour. Well, I mean, that one was good for the gameplay and nothing else. I feel like that's not saying. Wait, so so your your argument against the game, your critique was the gameplay was fun, the rest of it wasn't. Yes, because I feel like that's my critique against every other Metal Gear game. Is this was a fun movie that I occasionally had to bang my head against. Now, see, my argument there is the gameplay for everyone before five is horrible, but the story's all right. 
I feel like we're going to go back to the fucking Tolkien thing again, and let's just move on to Darwin. We, tell me tell me about the goddamn Galapagos gentleman. His dad rejected the offer on his behalf. What the fuck? How are you allowed to do that? I, this was the 1800s. Dad rules even when you're 22 fucking years old. <laughs> God. I mean, that's all right. I thought at 22 in these times you were basically, like, retired. <sighs> that's what I thought. All right, Charles' uncle talked his dad out of being an asshole for 10 minutes, uh, and Robert relented. As the uncles do. Uh, he even agreed to fund the trip. So, the captain... Damn! The captain, in the meanwhile, uh, offered the position to another trusted friend. Another trusted science companion. Now, Charles was unaware of this, so just five minutes before Darwin showed up to the boat, the friend had rejected the offer. Oh, that was lucky, because that would have been a sitcom-level whoops-a-doodle. There were, like, three or four-level sitcom whoops-a-doos. What you're saying is we need to start pitching this to uh, Amazon and Netflix and all the rest of them. The the, the funny rom-com style Charles Darwin story. Feel free to correct them. me if I'm wrong. Who was the guy? I, uh, I mentioned there was a Eugene Landy movie. Who's the guy that I said played Landy? Was it Paul Giamatti? You did, I believe, say Paul Giamatti because then there, I thought of the bim-bam goof about Paul Giamatti being a Pokemon. So, yeah, I feel like that's accurate. There was a, there, there was a, a Darwin BBC series where Paul Giamatti played Darwin, I'm pretty sure. Who the fuck didn't Paul Giamatti play? He was John Adams. He's, he's everybody. Paul Giamatti is like a goddamn... I don't. I, I want to make a Game of Thrones reference, but I, I don't actually watch that show, so I, it's, I find it hard. But I feel like there's a good one there if you dig it out. Okay, let me try and finish it for you. He's the Jack and Hagar of, of Game of Thrones. He just wears all the faces. Perfect. So just edit that, edit that together where it sounds like I said that in stream. Sure. And there you go. Sure. The 22-year-old Darwin and the captain interviewed with one another and spent the next week meeting... You know, and hanging out before they both finally found each other acceptable. <laughs> it's kind of like dating, only for your science buddy. I mean, bear in mind, they're planning to, you know, be on a boat for like two years. So, uh... Yeah, no, we've talked about it. Boat life's a hard life. Yeah, if, you want, if you're getting into boat life, you better be sure you're going to like this dude. Exactly. Now, the voyage for Darwin on boat life was, um... Well, Darwin learned that he had crippling seasickness. Oh, that's not a good thing to learn when you become a boat boy. And he learned this just after they passed Spain. And um, they were going wow. around the world. Wait, so. they passed... So he left England and passed Spain. I feel like that's a hop, skip, and a channel away. Like, it, he, he found out quick and in a hurry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes about, a, I would say, an hour on a boat to realize that it's uh, not how you were meant to live. Yeah, no, I mean, the boat life chooses you, and it did not choose Darwin. Definitely did not choose Darwin. And I mean, I'm on, for this round-the-world trip, I'm talking a route from Europe down to, like, the peak of North Africa, and just like in Risk, you take a jump over to Brazil. Yeah, as you do, as you do. Do a lap around South America. The expedition was to chart the coast of South America, and then, ah. and then to cross the Pacific, and then go, you know, to Asia, Australia, Africa, around Africa, and back to, back to England. So, Darwin figured out that he was seasick in, like, day one of this trip. Day, not even day one, like hour two, Darwin realizes I've made a horrible mistake. Just like a, a, a Will Arnett look to the camera and things have gone wrong. So you can imagine that kind of put a hamper on his research. Since uh, he spent most of his time on the journey just screaming Bobbing and moaning. uncontrollably? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that would make it hard to realize the origins of life, yeah. Science friend, come look at this plankton. <laughs> He managed to get some work done, but at every opportunity, he would get dropped off in one place while the boat just went off to survey the nearby coasts. 
Charles's main thing was, I'm good out here. <laughs> I like when the land don't move. Um, this was the case in the Galapagos Islands where Darwin, they got to the northern peak of the islands and he was like, hey, um, would you mind leaving me here? <laughs> I'd like to live with the finches and the big turtles now, please. He, he literally asked if he could walk to the other end of the island where they would pick him up. I should note, by the way, that the whole reason he even got on board with this is because, do you know what phrenology is? Phrenology? Isn't that the studying of bumps on people's heads yeah. to determine, like, their life? Like, astrology, but for bumpy heads? Yeah, that is exactly what it is. It's like, it's like a mystic or a fortune teller, but, like, vaguely psychological. So, Darwin went to visit one of those. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. It's not vaguely psychological just because you're touching someone's brain when you do it. Well, that's what I mean. It's is it was still a, bullshit. It was a psychology like fad of the day. It was total bullshit. But um, okay, so okay. so Darwin went to went to visit one of these phrenologists, and they read the bumps on his head and said, "You're an explorer." And so he was like, "Oh shit, I belong on a boat." <laughs> Obviously, they read his bumps wrong. One day. While Darwin was sitting at the coast and watching the waves roll in on the Galapagos Islands, a nightmare monster came running at him. <laughs> okay, but now do I get to guess what that nightmare monster was? I give you, yeah, give, take a guess. Is it a dodo? Ooh, okay. You know what? I'll count that close enough. It was a reptile that was ashy and flecked, kind of like a piece of coal. Its hands were enormous for its size and it had many curvy Wait. fingers. Um, it was. I mean, if it's a reptile with hands, I'm a little worried about it. Yeah. It weighed roughly 20 pounds. You know, so Fuck! pretty heavy. Um, and its head. That's a that's a beefy boy. Its head looked literally exactly like Godzilla's. If that is a frame of reference for you. <laughs> wait, was that the frame of wait? Is that the frame of reference for me or for Darwin? Did Darwin like <laughs> invent Godzilla? Did Darwin literally run away? Like, oh god, no! The destroyer of Tokyo has come for us. <laughs> The the creature had rectangular, it, well, a rectangular head with little white spikes Bullshit. across its brow. It did not. It did not have a rectangular head. I've seen rectangles. No creature has that. Mm. You're going to have to look it up once we're done with this. It had a, a sort of rectangular head with little small white spikes across its brow, which are actually, it, it's sort of a wig of caked salt that the marine iguana sneezes onto its head over time. What the fuck is going on on the Galapagos? This was the marine iguana, as I said, and Darwin hated it. <laughs> I can't blame him if that king came running at me. I would fucking curse everything ever. That bumpy-headed lady should die. Quote, the marine iguana is a hideous-looking creature of a dirty black color, stupid and oh. sluggish in its movement. Wow, way to make it racist, Darwin. Okay, I looked up at a marine iguana. That thing's fucking head is a rectangle if I am a goddamn oval. This is bullshit. That is not a re that is not how rectangles fucking work. I relent. Now that it was It looks like a dinosaur. Can we just say it looks like a goddamn yes, dinosaur? It does look like a dinosaur. Weird, crusty, with some weird crusty growths on its nose. Now, Darwin's notes on these, that was directly from his diary from when he was traveling the Galapagos. Darwin's notes on these things continue to throw more shade. This is from a dude that loves animals, and yet you're going to understand how much he fucking hates this animal. Uh, I, you say he loves animals. I feel like the dude's whole theory was animals hate each other and they'll murder each other till one of them's best. That's more, that's a lot more like Lord of the Flies, but for animals. I don't know if love's the right word, but keep going. He called them the imps of darkness. <laughs> and even... I mean, I... He's not wrong. I'm looking at pictures of these things. They're fucking evil. 
And even his compliments about them were backhanded. Though he admired their magnificent swimming ability, he called their movements, quote, repulsive and serpentine. Well, yeah, they're serpentine. They're basically snakes. Their claws, admirably adapted to moving on lava rocks, were, quote, hideous and unsightly. He called them lazy, saying, quote, these hideous reptiles may oftentimes be seen on the black rocks a few feet above the surf, basking in the sun with outstretched legs. I don't know why you had to throw hideous in there again, Charles. You don't need to keep nailing it down. Because he looked at them and he wanted us to know. Now, I mentioned, Nathan, their ability to swim. Darwin observed that. You did mention that. Darwin only observed that after he threw one of them into a nearby lake. Well, yeah, because you see it, you go drown in the water, you demon. One day, quote, one day, I carried one to a deep pool left by the retiring tide and threw it in several times as far as I was able. It invariably returned in a direct line to the spot where I stood. And as soon as it thought danger was past, it crawled out onto the dry rocks and shuffled away as quickly as it could. I several times caught this lizard again. And though possessed of such perfect powers of diving and swimming, nothing would induce it to enter the water. And so often as I threw it in, it returned. So what he's saying is this thing don't like water that much. Yeah. Now, what I want you to notice how he said that the thing never went into water on its own volition. That means that he was fucking probably throwing it in because he knew it couldn't swim. Well, bullshit. It it can swim. It's a lizard. They're They're reptiles. They swim by their definition. I should also mention Darwin didn't just have beef with the marine iguana. He also hated regular iguanas. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, you do. He, he, you once, do. he once observed a regular iguana. Yeah, they have a thing where they like to bury themselves in the sand. You know, keep warm. It's a thing they do. It's not a quick process. As I noted, they are slow creatures. Uh, so while he watched one digging itself into the sand, he waited until it was almost done, went up, grabbed it by the tail, and then shook it out of the sand. And the creature turned around and looked at him as if to say... Why did you just grab me by my tail? (laughs) Oh, okay. I thought it was going to say, da fuck, dude. Because, like, why? Why would you do that? At this point, he's an iguana bully. He throws the same one. He He throws the same one into the lake, a deep pool, hoping that it drowns, and it just keeps coming back. I don't don't understand why Charles hates lizards so much. (laughs) I get that it's an ugly creature, but it cannot be so fuck ugly that you want to throw it into the lake like a football several times like it's not attacking him right like he's not being no no he he started throwing it in once he realized it didn't bite (laughs) god damn it this is for your incompetence and he chucks it in survival of the fittest was not a thing he just darwin showed up and the animals realized we must try and kill him or he will kill us first (laughs) now darwin of course on this island also uh, gathered sufficient evidence to back his theory of natural selection, ranging from, of course, you know, these iguanas who didn't see him as a predator. <laughs> I feel um, like we and moved, would... I feel like we moved very quickly from he saw a lizard and threw it in the ocean to, and then he invented natural selection. No big deal. <laughs> now that well, when he wasn't bullying iguanas, he was noticing the other animals and their adaptations to their environment. Now Charles brought all this evidence back, and it took him several years. It took him decades before he was actually prepared to release the theory of natural selection and actually publish it. And even then, he only did that because somebody else was developing their own theory. And so he rushed to finish his, and they published them at the same time. The, the I guess, institution they both of them submitted their research to decided to settle it 
uh, on who did it first by just publishing both at the same time. And the only reason we remember Darwin is because he had just enough more evidence than the other guy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fairly... I mean, he, he followed the, the Thomas Edison school of coming up with things, which is get there first. And even even after that, nobody gave a shit for, like, several years. The I think the year that he published it... Um, was it Oxford? It was some British institution uh, released the statement that there were, quote, no interesting uh, discoveries of note this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 definitely, it definitely took him a while, I think, to really jump on the, the whole... That's a, that's a pretty big thing to jump on with, though. That's a pretty big, like, oh, by the way, here's how it happens. Like, it probably took him a while to, to want to jump, jump in with the, the whole evolution sure. thing. Sure, I mean, evidenced sure, by the sure. fact that we still won't fucking admit it's real, like, just won't accept it today. Like, people are still fighting it right now. Now, now a thing that I've learned uh, in the last two minutes, Googling Mr. Darwin, that motherfucker had, like, a, had a, a, I think he understood natural selection better than most people because he was a Neanderthal. Because that man's forehead <laughs> literally has it, it, it's a it's a canopy for his eyes. He has a he has a a like an escotment above his eyes. It like should he, be noted, by the way, that the giant bushy beard that you associate him with that came long after he returned later, from no. the HMS Beagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was no. a, that was a late look. No, this picture is like imagine Peter Boyle in Young Frankenstein. Oh God, just bald, but with the bushiest eyebrows. And and a, a weird sunsetter retractable canopy of a fucking forebrow just over. Oh man, he was an ugly motherfucker. Now, besides you know his his work on evolution and I guess uh, his hatred of iguanas in school, his hatred of iguanas. There's really not much else to be said about him. He was a pretty clean cut, regular, cool oh. dude later in life. Um, he had a lot of illnesses. He was really like crippled with illness for most of his late life, which I would assume led him to stop giving a shit about shaving. Uh, <laughs> like you do. He had ten kids. He lost three of them to, to disease, I think. He debated, I believe when he returned from the HMS Beagle, he had this uh, little quirk where he started, he took like the, the yellow legal pad and wrote a pros and cons list for a woman he wanted to marry, who it turns out was his first cousin. Oh, all right. Is that on the con side? That <laughs> was that, that one of the con. con I think I found one. a con. It should have been con number one, unless he was a dirty bird. Then it was pro number one. Oh. Here's another fun fact about Darwin. If you took a picture of him and put it next to a picture of Leo Tolstoy, and then put that next to a picture of Dostoevsky. I feel like you would be hard-pressed to tell which of them is which. It might be a conspiracy that he was an eternal vampire. Who it knows? might be, and it's not really Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky separated himself from the other two by the fact that his big giant beard never turned gray. Uh, I feel like he died early enough that it never got gray. But basically, if you can tell me the difference between Leo Tolstoy and Charles Darwin via picture, you're a goddamn magician, because they're the same dude. I want to thank Driftless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song There Were Buffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. It is a great album by a great band. Fantastic. I highly recommend checking out their album. I mean, if we run out, I mean, I, I feel like unless Driftless Pony Club becomes very prolific, we're going to run out of albums eventually and we'll have to start repeating. That is very true. I recommend Magnificent again. There you go.
much better. I also want to thank uh, our, our dear, dear listeners who, it appears we had a very recent spike in, in viewership. So to everybody who has just gotten into the show, thank you very much. Hope you're enjoying it thus far. Also, how are you viewing us? What kind of wizardry are you using? Why? Please get out of my head. Please stop stalking us. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, but listeners, I want to thank the, you're all welcome. I want to thank the NSA for viewing us through my webcam. Apparently, uh, Which yeah. I do not tape over, because I have a voyeurism kink. I was about to say, because you're a dirty bird. I am. I'm Let guilty. Watch. That's what I always say. If you're liking what we're doing, I highly encourage you to, to, I mean, get in touch with us through Twitter. That's at Cock and Bull Pod. You can leave a review. That really helps us out the most. Yes, on iTunes, not on Twitter, because as we established, Twitter is a <laughs> that is, fucking garbage hole full of hate and nonsense. Don't leave your reviews go- there. No one will see them. Just going into the ether. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's all I got to say. Nathan, how do you okay. want to close this out? Uh, when, when the Neuromancers find this one, uh, know that we proved Darwin wrong. We had survival of the fittest did not exist, and we are proof of that. Uh, hail, hail, hail the Neuromancers. Next week. Take a rest, cause it's the best thing to leave your lips, is that your best? I'm not